Lots of off-season drama, as per usual, in the National Football League. And also, some fantasy football draft advice. That'll be coming up before you know it. Andrew Garda from Pro Football Weekly and FootballGuys.com at the bottom of the hour. In just a minute or so, Gregor Chisholm, MLB.com, Blue Jays reporter, will join me. And, man, we'll get into, okay, uh, Marco Estrada left the game early. Injured hip. They came back, or hip soreness, I should say. X-rays came back negative but on further diagnosis, will anything more serious be found? And what does that mean to his trade value? What are the Jays going to do? What should they be doing come the trade deadline? you got to blow this thing up, in my opinion. you got to blow it up. We're going to break this down right now with Gregor Chisholm, MLB.com Jays reporter. Gregor, been a while, my friend. How are you? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, a pleasure as always. So let's start with Marco Estrada, one of the assumed trade ships for the Blue Jays, hip soreness, x-rays negative. What are you hearing about the health of Estrada, and what really at this point should we expect, a, a, a missed start or two, or where do you think we're at? You know, I, I think it's pretty troubling. I mean, the fact that, you know, the fact that the x-rays were negative is obviously a good sign for the Blue Jays, uh, but the Blue Jays aren't going to really know, uh, you know, what the deal with him is until that, and, you know, those MRI results are, are revealed and the fact that he left, you know, quickly last night. Uh, you know, wasn't made available to the media because he was going to get checked out. Uh, it was usually an indication that, that they think something is going on there. And this has obviously been something that has been bothering him now for a little bit. Uh, you could see that, especially with how quickly he came out of the game last night. And, you know, really the timing couldn't be any worse for the Blue Jays. I mean, this team, you know, you want to talk about bad luck with injuries, but in particular, uh, it's really impacting their trade chips. And, yeah. and this is a time when you got to be looking to, you know, recoup some value on guys like Marco Estrada and Josh Donaldson. Those are supposed to be two of your top three guys that you're going to shop uh, along with Jay Happ. And, and now you've lost both. Uh, you know, there's certainly a chance that, that Estrada will come back before the end of the month. But regardless, you know, even if he only misses a couple of starts, I mean, there's no question that's going to hurt his value and teams are going to have to take a much closer look at his medicals. And, you know, that back or the, the hip is probably tied to, you know, the lingering back issues that we've seen from him time to time over the last few years. Right. And usually that, that lingers for a few weeks. It's not something that goes away really quickly. And so, I mean, you're talking about not much time before July 31st. Uh, time really is running out to get something of value there. Yeah, so does that mean, do you think, Gregor, for the Blue Jays, who, yeah, Strata, who knows, Donaldson, boy, banged up all season, in and out. For Jay Happ, is this something where maybe they should be looking to try to move him before the deadline? And, and I know sometimes that's out of their control, depending on as the deadline approaches, value can go up or, or down. But is this something they might want to try to get something done sooner rather than later? Because as of right now, if Estrada's going to miss any time, Happ is their only chip that can really get anything of significance back. No, he, he really is. And, and it, it's a really delicate dance that Ross Atkins is going to have to do over the next couple of weeks. Because, yeah, ideally you would make a move uh, much sooner rather than later. The, the problem with that is that, you know, even so, a lot of these deals take a little bit longer into late July. And, and Hap is going to be, uh, you know, arguably, arguably the, the top starting pitcher available. Uh, this month, and you really want to leverage that uh, to the best of your ability, so you maximize that return. Yet at the same time, you're running that, that you know that risk reward. You know his value might increase over the next couple of weeks, but if you lose him, then it all quickly disappears. So I think they'll probably be a little bit more aggressive, but at the same time, you can't 
just operate in fear either. I, I mean, Hap's known to be a durable guy. Sure, he can come up with some bad luck too, uh, but I'd still take my chances and keep rolling him out there until you get the the offer that you're looking for. But but certainly, if it's close over the next week or so, I'd be looking to make that deal a little bit sooner rather than later. In conversation with Gregor Chisholm, MLB.com, Blue Jays reporter. So, Gregor, with that being said, with these these chips, these potential trade pieces, where is management going? Where should they be going as far as the future of this team? Because just before you came on, like my thinking is, okay, the, the, the window has closed on that core group. It's over. we got to mm-hmm. face that. And it, it, it seems to me to be time to try to really break it down and go and not kind of half-ass retool and just be middling in third or fourth. Where do you think the front office is at? Like, Are they in the mindset of, okay, we got to tear this down and try to clear house and build from the ground up? Yeah, I think it's pretty much inevitable at this point. I mean, it, unfortunately for them, they're losing some of their top trade chips along oh, yeah. the way, but it doesn't it doesn't uh, impact the overall strategy. I mean, I think this is, uh, is clearly a team that's going to be in full sell mode. Uh, right now, you're looking more at kind of the bit players, uh, guys like Curtis Granderson, uh, probably some guys in the bullpen like a Tyler Clippert or a Sung Won Oh, uh, who could be moved. The problem is you're not going to get a whole lot of value for those guys. You're going to get a lottery ticket in terms of a low-level prospect, right. and, and that's about it. Uh, but those guys will be shopped and, and probably moved. Uh, and then if you're the Blue Jays, ideally, you do get a couple of those other chips on, on the trade block too, and you hope that Josh Donaldson – you know, returns by you know close to the end of the month and, and puts together a few good games and maybe you can shop him. Estrada, if he has to miss a couple starts, then he likely becomes a, a potential trade chip in, in August after the non-waiver trade deadline. He's someone who could potentially sneak through and, and still help. Um, but there's no question this is this is bad news for the Blue Jays because you know you look back a couple months ago, uh, you know when those struggles started in, in early May. Uh, and you kind of figure that they would eventually sell, uh, but you also thought that they'd be able to sell for for a king's ransom for some of these guys. Yeah. The Jays are going to be one of the only, uh, you know, top sellers in, in baseball, and uh, so far, just because of happenstance, it's not really working out that way. And the Josh Donaldson situation, Gregor, is so interesting because you can go you can go different ways. If if they don't get, and you're not going to get what he would be if he was healthy all season, obviously, but if they don't get mm-hmm. something they feel is worthwhile, and you're in a full rebuild, is it? Do you think the conversation is going to come up where, okay, Josh, hey, come back next year on a prove-it type deal. It gives you that bit of a buffer to not have to rush Vladdy Guerrero Jr. or whoever else prospect-wise are up. And you still then, from a, a fan perspective and a ticket perspective, you have a face and go from there on a prove-it deal. Is that a possibility or does that, even, does that make sense for them to maybe do? I, I think it's a very small possibility. I, I think what could happen here is I think at the end of the year the Blue Jays could extend him a qualifying offer uh, and then what that does is it, it at least guarantees you a little bit of compensation in terms of draft picks uh, coming back your way at the end of the year so if you're shopping him now leading into that deadline uh, if he is able to get healthy just in time uh, then one you need a package that's going to be able to beat that compensation in the offseason otherwise what's the point uh, the other the other side of it is I mean there is an off chance that at the end of the year Donaldson is forced into accepting that qualifying offer. I mean, I think that would be pretty much rock bottom for him. I still think, you know, if you're a contending team out there next year and, and you're looking 
uh, you know, and you have the ability to maybe bring him in on that one-year uh, deal where he can recoup some value. I'm giving up a draft pick in order to make that signing on a one-year deal worth you know, $20 million, $25 million, whatever it is. Uh, I think that's a good bounce-back candidate, and I think there's going to be a lot of teams who will be interested in that. Uh, but he certainly cost himself the, the ability to get you know, a lucrative multi-year deal at this point unless something drastically changes at the end of the year. But I, I would be very surprised if, and, and under any circumstance, uh, Donaldson is, is back next year. But I certainly do think there's a possibility possibility and probably a smart move by the Blue Jays would be if they can't move him now for whatever reason, uh, then you at the very least do offer him that qualifying offer and then you take the risk that right. uh, you know he accepts. In conversation with Gregor Chisholm on Twitter at Gregor MLB. Now, Gregor, on the diamond tonight, it's uh, Marcus Stroman versus the Mets and Jose Bautista made his return last night, got a nice little ovation, walked three times, and the walks really stand out to me because I think it reminds us that Jose Bautista, as long as the average can be respectable, the power is respectable, and he's not that much of a liability and can still contribute, his keen eye for the ball and being able to get on base and draw walks could, for the Mets, make him a trade piece for whatever the return might be. They picked him up for nothing. Um, at the deadline, what do you make of Jose Bautista and his small, kind of quiet resurgence with the Mets? Yeah, just talking with some of the Mets guys yesterday, uh, that was exactly what they were talking about. Kind of a, a bit surprised by the fact that he's now kind of shaping up as a guy they might be able to to flip at the deadline and get something for him. Mean, they're not, not going to get a huge piece, but they could, they might be able to get something. And for Batista, I think that's kind of what this season has been all about. I mean, I don't, I don't think he had grand visions of, of, you know, playing the entire season after he joined the Mets, just staying there. And I think part of his goal was to kind of, uh, you know, prove himself a little bit and, and then try and put himself on the radar for a contending team. And I, I don't think there's going to be a contending team out there that's going to give him a starting job. But to me, he still is kind of interesting as that, you know, 25th guy uh, on, on a playoff team bench for a National League team because he's someone that you can, you know, he is, a, he is a liability in the field, but the fact that you can put him out in right field and you can put him at third base gives you a little bit of flexibility and you could maybe start him a game against a lefty and uh, you know, you have some options there, but you know the the cool thing last night, I think, for Batista was that you know it was it was, it was cool to watch because I think for you know he actually got to enjoy the moment. You know, I think last right. year, uh, you know, it was very chaotic for him, obviously, with the Blue Jays informing him kind of midway through September that he wasn't coming back. He had the stress of, of you know it was really a, a terrible year for him and the uncertainty of the off season. You can only imagine how much of a whirlwind that was for him. And although he enjoyed that final day at Rogers Center last year. You kind of think it was probably, you know, kind of almost, you know, flooded over him just because it was so much at, at once. Last night we saw some some rare kind of emotion from him, uh, in in the sense that you know you could really tell that he really kind of did appreciate the reaction and actually got to soak it in. And I think that will definitely be easily one of probably his biggest highlight of this year was being able to come back and just soak all that in in a, in a non-pressure environment and actually be able to enjoy it, unlike unlike he probably was at the end of last year. Exactly, and that's that is that nice moment for him and for the fans, right? To be able to say yeah. thank you to uh, to a guy who, if you think of his journey, Gregor, like for coming over with no expectations and just exploding, like one of the all time great Blue Jay stories. Yeah, and, and he to me he really helped change the mentality of this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there was always that you know, as Canadians or Torontonians. There's always that bit of that underdog mentality, you know, that, you know, especially in baseball, you know, there's always that perception that people didn't want to come up to Canada and play. And, you know, you're always playing second fiddle to the Yankees and Red Sox. 
Batista, even in those early years when the Blue Jays struggled, he brought a different kind of attitude to this team. And, and you know, you saw it with his, you know, his willingness to stay uh, long term and really, uh, you know, adopt this city as his own. And, uh, you know, without him uh, and Edwin Encarnacion, um, you know, and the production that they were doing kind of in midway through, uh, you know, Anthopoulos' tenure, the Blue Jays never go all in. They never get guys like Josh Donaldson and they, and they don't go out and get guys like David Price. And so while Batista and Encarnacion certainly didn't do it on their own, uh, they were the driving force uh, along with Anthopoulos for that entire run. And, you know, Blue Jays fans are going to look back, you know, decades from now, uh, you know, on that tenure and obviously look, look upon it favorably, maybe not quite as, you know, as much as the, you know, Joe Carter, Roberto Alomar years. Right. Uh, but it, it, it's a, it's a second, I think, just in, in terms of the run and the impressive, you know, ability that they had. Gregor, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Anytime. All right. Gregor Chisholm. MLB.com Blue Jays reporter. If you're a Jays fan, you got to follow him at Gregor MLB. I'm seeing here on TSN the uh, hot do- Nathan's hot dog eating contest is set to begin. Joey Chestnut looking for that elusive 11th championship. Those things are gross. When they wet the hot dog bun and they just ugh. how much time do they get to do that? I don't know. I don't know. They're showing highlights on it now from past years. It is. How many do you think you could put down in like ten minutes? I, you know, I don't even think I would do it because of the wet hot dog bun. I wouldn't I, zero if I had to wet the hot dog bun. Well, you have a choice. You don't have to. But then you can't win. I guess if I didn't, I don't know. And how long? A minute? Ten. Ten minutes. Oh, ten minutes. I don't know, like five, and then I get full. I'd be. I do very poorly. I would do very poorly at that contest. Actually, actually, during the uh, NFL playoffs, I think it was the conference championships i was hosting an event for tsn 1050 down at real sports and one of it was a a chicken wing eating contest and one guy what he did was he dipped because all of them had seasoning but there was one like super hot wing that like the, the suicide you had it it's going to burn your tongue off so he dipped every chicken wing in a big glass of water and ate it he ultimately lost to a giant gentleman named warren but what he did afterwards, and he, he was a few deep, his friends challenged him, said 20 bucks to drink the wing juice, and he did it. I had to do play-by-play for a dude eating chicken wings and then drinking the wing juice. It was filthy. Only slightly less disgusting than the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Championship. If we see it, I'll, I'll update you if Joey Chestnut can, uh, can do it again. Now, getting back to the NBA here, and by the way, you can vote on our TSN 1050 Twitter poll at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. It's about the Raptors here, okay, and what your expectations are. With LeBron out of the East, all excuses are wiped out. What are your expectations? Now, this doesn't necessarily mean, I'm taking this as meaning not what I think the team will do, but what they should be able to do with pending moves, whatever those might be, and just as a whole, what are your expectations for the Raptors next season? Is it getting to the NBA Finals? Is it Conference Finals? Or another early playoff exit? Boy, Raptors fans, you're not too positive. 40% say early playoff exit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Damar, you know what? Yeah, come on. Get Conference Finals at least. That's my vote. Conference Finals. 38% Say conference finals second and 22% NBA finals. Your expectations for the Raptors. If it's an early playoff exit, man, you gotta, you gotta have a long conversation about blowing this thing up core wise. Last chance for this core. Last chance. No excuses. 
Okay, you got to go for it now and do whatever it takes. And we were talking to Josh Lundberg, our TSN 1050 Raptors reporter earlier. If you missed any of that, we just tweeted out the link to the interview at TSN 1050 Radio of, yeah, the Raptors do need moves. And that Masai Ujiri said they are open for business. Nobody is off the table. The question is, how do other teams value the Raptors pieces? We're in the Raptors bubble and appreciate Lowry and DeRozan and JV and all that. But how are they seen on the outside? What is their value? And if you deal one, are you getting back something significantly better? That's what's tough, right? Like you can trade them, but okay, if you trade Lowry, what are you getting back? What are you getting back? So we'll see what the Raptors do this offseason. So a long way to go until the regular season starts. Now, Stephen A. Smith, as we know, is uh, he, he tends to be outspoken. He doesn't hold back. And outside of LeBron James joining the Lakers, the other Big move in free agency was DeMarcus Cousins, Boogie Cousins, joining the Golden State Warriors. Stephen A. rants on the Cousins signing. Grow up! Stop being a bunch of punks! Figure it out! I mean, my God! Houston's got no shot now because of a dude with an Achilles tear that ain't going to be ready before April? Is it really about Cousins or is it about this dysfunctional locker room that might be in the process of having been created by Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka because of the temperamental personalities that they have on there? What is the matter with y'all? I can't believe how folks are acting over this. Stephen A. Smith. Grow up! <laughs> that needs to, yeah, that needs to be a hot button take. Grow up! Grow up! <laughs> this, this signing... To me, I think, and he did mention the Achilles, but I do think it, it's overblown to a sense that when you have an injury like an Achilles or like an ACL, quite often the guy isn't right for a year. There's no guarantee Cousins is going to be any sort of factor for the Golden State Warriors. Now, is it a smart signing by the Warriors? Absolutely. You get a dude who at his best is an all-star for, the, for, for what, five-plus mil? That's phenomenal. Yes, you take a chance. And if he does nothing, oh well, I guess you'll just have to deal with the other slew of all-stars you have and go win another title. But with Cousins, you had that factor. Man. I just, I understand the hate for the super team and that, oh, the, the Lakers, the Warriors, they're ruining the league. It all comes down to jealousy. If it was your team, you would love it. I hate it, too, because the Raptors don't have a super team. If the Raptors were signing star after star and building a juggernaut, I would love it. I'd say, ha-ha, rest of the league, too bad for you. But we don't, so we hate it. It's jealousy. Straight up. Grow up! Grow up! That's awesome. But that's why. If you hate super teams, you're jealous because it's not your team. Find me a Golden State Warriors fan who hates super teams. Zero is the answer. Find me a Cavs fan, before LeBron left, who hates super teams. They don't. Before Kyrie left, because then it was just LeBron. If you have a super team, you love it. If you don't, you want one. And if you say different, you're lying. And as proof of that, people, oh, it's going to ruin the NBA. I heard today on Golik and Wingo that it was ratings were up. Ratings were up for the NBA playoffs. Attendance up. Revenue up. So everyone who says, I'm not going to watch, it's terrible. Lies. You are fake news. Fake news. You're going to watch because it's the villain 
aspect. That's the other side of the super team. It's like the old wrestling analogy when you have the super villain. If it was Hogan versus Andre the Giant, you came as much to see Hogan win as you came to see Andre lose. You want, you go see a villain who watched them get beat and hate the villain, but you still pay the money. You still watch the games, get tickets, merchandise, etc., because you hate the villain. People who hate the Warriors, I want the Warriors to lose. I can't stand them. I want them to lose. And guess what that means? I'm going to have to watch the game to see if they lose. That's where we're at. That's why ratings are up, and that's why I don't think super teams are that big of a deal. Step aside at the bottom of the hour. NFL talk, off-season storylines, and some fantasy football tips next here on Toronto Today. Grow up! Follow us on Twitter. Tweet at us your thoughts on the Raptors, what they should do, what your expectations are this next regular season at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. It's 4th of July in America, and... My buddy Andrew Garda, NFL writer for Pro Football Weekly, was so kind to join me a little bit earlier. Now, the reason he had to join earlier was because he's literally going to be in a parade for the 4th of July. So he was en route to the parade. We talked NFL offseason storylines and some fantasy football tips. Here's my chat with Andrew Garda. Andrew, the news in the NFL, the offseason, it just it just seems like the NFL gets in its own way. Julian Edelman's suspension has been upheld. And why that might not necessarily be the most surprising news, what is surprising is that Edelman is saying, and the league is saying, they still haven't declared and disclosed what the substance is. This thing, although it's upheld, it's probably going to be appealed. Like, Andrew, every offseason it seems like we get some lawsuit against the league. When does it end? Yeah, I mean, let's look at it from a macro point of view, really. I mean, as you said, the NFL just can't help but get in its own way. If you can't determine what the substance is, then, you know, to me, especially a guy who hasn't failed these tests before, like, what are we doing? How is it illegal if you don't know? Yeah, I mean, how how can it just doesn't make any sense. Um, You know, it's. Uh, you know, everybody who's not a Patriot fan is probably fine with it, but you know, looking at it, it just this is this is the NFL's biggest problem, and I think this is what you know. There are a lot of things that could take it down. You know, CTE concerns, uh, lower numbers in youth football, like all of these things, all of it. You know, but I think ultimately the fact that they are so inconsistent about just about everything that they rule on it's i think that people just get tired of it after a while you know what's a catch we don't know what the catch is this is a catch well but now it's not a catch you know you can't hit high you can't hit low you can't do this you know one guy james winston gets a a three-game reduced suspension for you know for uh groping an uber driver ezekiel elliott got six games for something that both the league and law enforcement said didn't happen and in fact the woman said didn't happen i mean it just it feels like they're like, well, we want to leave it open to interpretation so we can adjust, but then they don't know how to adjust. And it just, uh, you know, it, it should be a positive, chill off season. You know, there's a lot of really right. good things happening, and yet here we are. Yeah, and also the bad look of, and they're under different silos in the NFL discipline category, but the look to the public is if you're giving a guy, Julian Edelman, four games for a substance, you haven't told anybody what it is, he doesn't know, and then for a groping uh, charge allegation, whatever, it's less, it might be under, in their world, different, but to the general public, that's a bad look, man. 
Well, and they said, you know, first time for domestic violence or rape or things like that, it's six games. That's it. And, you know, and, and, and so, that's their rules except for this time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it, it's like, you know, anybody who's a parent is going to feel this. You're going to feel me on this because this is like you tell your kid they can't do something. If you do X, you're going to lose Y. And then they do X and you're like, well, OK, I'm going to let you have this one, you know, or right. yeah, you can't watch TV today. Well, you can watch TV for two hours. Like after a while, the kid's like, I don't take you seriously. No. And, you know, and also doesn't know what the heck's going on. So. Exactly. It's it's very bizarre. In conversation with Andrew Garda from Pro Football Weekly, footballguys.com on Twitter at Andrew underscore Garda. Now, Andrew, let's talk about the ramifications on the field with some of these uh, suspensions. For Jameis Winston, really a prove-it year for the Bucks because it was Winston drafted uh, with Mariota, and it looks like the Titans are, are finally ready to take their big upswing after getting to the playoffs last year. But the Bucks are just kind of meandering around, and you lose your starting quarterback. Listen, I love me some Fitzmagic too, but I don't know if that's going to be the best, the best option for them to, to get to where they need to go, and ultimately for Dirk Cutter and that franchise to save his job, that team's got to get to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I've seen this film before, and usually when you get Fitz, first year for Fitz, this, this, I used to call it the Brandon Marshall plan, because <laughs> when Brandon Marshall, you know, like when Chicago, Miami, like from Denver and all that, you'd get a good year or two out of Marshall, and then like all the wheels would come off and the axle would snap. With Fitzpatrick, it's sort of the same thing. He had a great year in Buffalo, and then they paid him a lot of money and he fell apart. He had a great year in New York with the Jets, and then they gave him more money and he fell apart. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, they, they might get through this year, but I really don't know that I would trust it. I mean, there has been a lot of talk, and, and the Jets have been doing a great job of building up buzz around Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. And so depending on what they see out of Fitz, you could see them look to trade for a guy like Bridgewater or hmm. someone, you know, someone with some upside and the advantage too, because the Bucks have to really sort of decide on what they think of Jameis Winston. Like you said, it's a prove it year for everybody and it's a prove it year for him. And he's been good, but not what he should have been. And they have to decide, have we seen enough to really believe in this guy long-term because it's almost time for a new contract with this guy. So if you bring in a guy like Bridgewater, he still has some upside, you know, you could have your choice, you know, under a one-year contract okay. with Bridgewater, you could look at both of them and say, okay, which guy might be the future? Or, you know, you're going to have to dip back into the draft. But, I mean, you know, this is – I feel like I have a lot of catchphrases today, but this is Josh Gordon syndrome. You know, at some yeah. point, when do you say enough is enough? You know, the Browns are still rolling with Gordon, but they've definitely shored up the receivers just in case. And, you know, now this is worse because the quarterback is a far more important position. As dynamic as Josh Gordon is, the Cleveland Browns, they're not going to be – you know, significantly better or worse based on him, it's going to be the quarterback. It's going to be Baker Mayfield or Tyrod Taylor. With the Bucks. you know, you could, you could add all the other pieces you want, but if you don't have a good quarterback, I don't know that you're going anywhere. Exactly. And you mentioned Baker Mayfield, and coming into this season is going to be a lot of talk, obviously, about the crop of first-round quarterbacks. Every year it's the same. Baker Mayfield looks like he's going to be sitting behind uh, Tyrod Taylor. The rest of that that group, that crop. Do you see anybody really jumping out, making a day one, or at least through the first quarter of the season impact? Because, like you said, in New York, if Bridgewater stays, that's pretty crowded over there. Yeah, I you know I think 
I think part. I think that Bridgewater is looking good. From everything I hear from people I know who cover the team who are there day to day, he has looked very good. You won't know much until he actually gets hit, but you know, let's take right. that for what it's worth. But the Jets are over the moon about Sam Darnold. I would not be shocked if Bridgewater moved on or if they kept him around just in case. And Darnold, we saw him sometime in the first quarter of the season, if not week one. We have a, a long way to go. So, like, that's not predictive, but... He's a guy who right now, the way things sound, sounds like he could be ready to go. Um, you know, you're not going to see Lamar Jackson. I think if you see Josh Allen, it's going to be a worst-case scenario up in Buffalo because yeah. I really do believe he needs a year or two to get it together if he's ever going to. And, you know, Baker Mayfield could steal a job from Tyrod Taylor, but uh, I'm just not really sure I see it. It's going to be very interesting to see which teams hold on to that whole red shirt mentality for their first-round quarterbacks. With the Ravens, you could see it happening because of Joe Flacco, but the other teams who picked high, like they don't have great options in front of them or surefire options. I mean, the Jets, I like McCown to like hold serve, and I love Bridgewater. I mean, I think I've been on the show since Bridgewater was uh, – was drafted, and I think everybody who has ever listened to me on your show knows I'm a Bridgewater honk, but we don't know exactly what he could, what he's really capable of right now. So, uh, you know, any one of those teams is going to blink, and it's just a matter of who's going to blink first, and we could see the Jets blink come right out of the gate. In conversation with Andrew Garda. Andrew, now people are starting to do some prep, getting ready. Fantasy football season will be here before we know it. The drafts will begin in August. So let's let's get ready a little bit, okay? Some sleepers. You know we love us some sleepers, right, here. <laughs> and with quarterback, that seems to be always the position where either somebody leaps forward and takes a QB too soon or maybe gets a little bit too cute and waits a step too long. Quarterback sleepers this year. I'm looking at Eli Manning as far as the weapons around him. I'm looking at maybe an Alex Smith. Uh, if you want to get real crazy, Andrew Luck. Who's a sleeper at QB that you think, all right, if you can wait a little bit for your fantasy team, this is a good buy? Yeah, casual NFL fans probably think you just went insane mentioning Andrew Luck. I know. Do we really know what he's going to do coming back? Um, no, I suspect no idea. he's going to go higher. Yeah, I suspect he's going to go higher than. Uh, than we expect in most fantasy drafts. I, I do, I think it's worth keeping an eye on a guy like Alex Smith because I think the weapons are there in Washington. And I think, listen, I, you know, Gruden can do decent things with quarterbacks. And we'll see how much of an influence he had on, on Cousins' ability versus Cousins' natural ability up in Minnesota. Uh, but I think Smith could put up some decent fantasy numbers. I don't know that I'd want to start with him every week, but if you do like a quarterback by committee, which I think is most of the time pretty smart, you know, I think that Smith is a guy that you want to keep an eye on. I, I am curious, as kind of a flyer later on in the, in the, in the rankings, whatever you want to call it, I, I'm kind of curious what Tyrod Taylor does with Cleveland hmm. because you look at the wide receivers he has there. He has a decent offensive line. And he has a good stable of running backs. I mean, I feel like that offense is sort of set up to succeed. We're going to kind of see what Hugh Jackson's about. You know, because <laughs> at this point, if he, I, I really feel like he's got some talent there now. So if this implodes, then I think you really have to consider whether Hugh Jackson is actually the coach for the Cleveland Browns. Sure. And after the last two seasons, you know, it's not looking very good. And I love Eli Manning this year. Um, you know, it kind of comes down to how much you believe in that offensive line. You know, uh, he's got great weapons. Evan Ingram at tight end. Sterling Shepard at wide receiver. He's got Saquon Barkley, who 
not only does he say everything right in press meetings right now, but looks fantastic from everything I hear. And then, you know, you've got Odell Beckham Jr. coming back in a contract year with a lot to prove, coming off an injury. I, I mean, I think Eli's hit and miss. I mean, it, you know, looking at his career, sometimes he's really good, sometimes he's right. not. I think this is a season where people are going to, especially considering all the media buzz before the draft, that maybe the Giants go with a quarterback. I think I'll, I think people are going to sleep on him a little bit, get get distracted, look at your Matt Ryan's, you know, you pull on your Aaron Rodgers early mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I think that right now, if you can grab Eli Manning, I if you. I mean, with any quarterback, if you back him up with a really solid backup quarterback, you're in good shape. But Manning has the potential to be a game changer, I think, for uh, for fantasy championships this year. And quick one here, Andrew. Speaking of the weapons Eli Manning has, Saquon Barkley, first overall fantasy pick, top three pick. Where, where are you taking Barkley? Because I'm like you, I'm salivating, but I, I want to try to I, I want to try to put the emotion aside. We know rookie running backs can make an immediate impact. Yeah, you just never know. And again, you know. We think the offensive line is better, but there's still this dude named Derek Flowers on the right side, mm. so it could all go sideways. But I don't think I'd take him really high, like a one through five. I think once you get towards the end of the first round, I think that's when you're starting to look at Saquon Barkley. If you if he's there at the turn and you can get yourself quality and you happen to be tail end Charlie at the turn, I mean, a Saquon Barkley and then, say, an Antonio Brown or a Julio Jones or even an Odell, uh, is, yeah. a, is a great pairing, in my opinion. I, I think Barkley is going to be a special back. I think the hesitation for me is we haven't seen him yet. Sometimes it gets really hard for uh, a rookie to get through the entire season. And also, you know, as I said, like you, it, it, I was talking about all those weapons Eli has. Uh, the great thing about Barkley is he can catch the football. Exactly. But the downside is there are all those weapons there. So, how many carries, how many touches, you know, is he going to be a bell cow back the way that Le'Veon Bell is? And, and I just, we just don't know yet. So I think he's a great pick in the late first round, and I think he could be a difference maker. If he happens to slip to the second round, if you're like, you know, top four pick and you pick up someone good and, you know, people are just avoiding him, I mean, he would be a miracle pick, I think, in the second round this year. Oh, Andrew, I can't wait for NFL season. He'll be here before we know it. Thank you so much. Happy 4th of July. Enjoy the parade, buddy. I will. I've got my um, my flag socks. I know the break flag code, but, uh, you know, I couldn't resist today. <laughs> Andrew Garda, what a champ, on his way to be in a 4th of July parade talking NFL and fantasy football. If you're going to be near a TV on TSN 4, it's the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest on Coney Island, I believe, and the man Joey Chestnut, who has won 10 previous hot dog eating contests, is coming to the stage. There was a, a large gentleman named Badlands, Booker, uh, who made his way up before. So uh, we'll keep you up to date on who will be the Nathan's champ. It's weird in these type of food eating contests where, like, if you have the really large people, it, it, it's typically like some little skinny guy who's able to jump in and cram all the food down. I don't know how. But in speed eating, Joey Chestnut is showboating right now. But getting back to uh, Andrew Garden, the the NFL uh, storylines there. And when you see what the National Football League is doing to uh, Julian Edelman, and listen, I I, I get it. Not too many people are going to feel sorry for the New England Patriots, myself included. But right is right. And 
If the substance isn't disclosed, why are you suspending him? And how is that being upheld? Like, the whole system is broken. Like, you, the NFL has final say, and then if you appeal it, you're appealing to the person who made the decision. So, obviously, they're not going to go against it because they made the decision. It's a broken system. But on the more fun side, for fantasy football, the quarterback stuff we were talking about with Andrew Garda is just going to be be very interesting because okay if Jameis Winston's going to be out three games like we went over are you taking a flyer on a Ryan Fitzpatrick early and draft somebody maybe as the second quarterback taken because Fitz can be frustratingly good in fantasy football and what about the Jets situation what about Kirk Cousins all that money right highest paid NFL player for Kirk Cousins in Minnesota with those weapons. They made that move to bring in Kirk Cousins because they felt he was is going to be a, a significant upgrade over Case Keenum. And I don't blame them for taking that chance. Case Keenum, kind of that lightning in a bottle situation. Can he replicate that? That's going to be tough to do. However, I was counting out Case Keenum all year long. I was, and rightfully so. You, you should have as well because he had never done anything close to that in his whole career with that run. But now with Kirk Cousins, they're expecting him to be the difference maker. All right. You got all the pieces around you now. Washington, Washington was always just middling, right? Eight and eight. And you can draw the stats of, okay, Cousins' numbers were impressive, but against teams with winning records, wasn't that good. Well, now you got all the pieces. And really, if you're the Vikings, if you don't get to a Super Bowl at least, it's a failure. And a big financial failure. And for Case Keenum, and you're the Denver Broncos, all right. Now, is he an upgrade over Trevor Simeon if you take last year's numbers? Absolutely. But you go from Case Keenum, who with the Rams, threw nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions, to a 22-7 and TD to interception ratio last season, which guy you getting? Now, the Vikings obviously had way better weapons than the Rams. The Broncos, aging a little bit. Are they complete? Is Case Keenum the guy? John Elway is still going with the formula of we can win on defense and running the football. That's how he won his two Super Bowls at the end of his career, except he was a Hall of Fame quarterback. And he figures, I guess, all right, Peyton Manning, Physically, he was a shell of his former self, and we won a Super Bowl. The difference I keep coming back to, and I don't know if Elway gets this, you don't replace the mind of Peyton Manning. Whether he could throw it five yards or not, he could still pick apart a defense and have the presence of being Peyton Manning. Case Keenum ain't Peyton Manning. He's better than Trevor Simeon, at least last year. So that'll be fun as training camp start in a few weeks. We will step aside and come back to wrap up Toronto Today Raptors poll update, and we'll get to some of your tweets as well. You're listening on TSN 1050. You can follow us on Twitter at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. On Instagram as well at AndyMC Sports. And if you want to get your CFL fix on the TSN 1050.ca show page under CFL Weekly, we've got this week's episode up. Wally Buono, all-time winningest head coach in CFL history. I went behind the helmet, behind the headset with him. 
Got to hear his thoughts on his legacy. We talked a lot of Argonauts as well with James Franklin coming in, replacing Ricky Ray. Talked with Matt Cause, Scott Collin on power rankings and CFL fantasy. So worth checking out. I'll post the link on my Twitter as well a little bit later at AndyMC81. Now, a final Twitter poll update here at TSN 1050 Radio. And it was about the Toronto Raptors. And with LeBron out of the Eastern Conference, no excuses anymore. What are your expectations for the Raptors season? What are your expectations for the Raptors? NBA Finals, Conference Finals, early playoff exit. Leading the way still is early playoff exit at 40% Conference Finals, nipping at its heels 37%, NBA Finals at 23%. But most Raptors fans, at least according to this poll, taking the temperature of the Toronto Raptors fan, is they don't think much is going to change. And as Josh Lundberg said, we chatted with him earlier in the show. If you missed any of it, we'll have the links posted at TSN 1050 Radio on Twitter. Is There's still a long way to go in this offseason, right? Which is true. Masai Ujiri said everybody's available. We could have a blockbuster of some sort. We could have minor tweaks. We don't know yet. But as it stands right now, the Raptors window is blown open. And now you got to worry about Boston, Philly, Maybe the Bucks, A lot of teams. That's what makes the Eastern Conference, I think, so interesting this year. The West, it's probably the Warriors. you got LeBron over there, of course, but it's probably the Warriors. But where, where do the Raptors fit in to all this? Regular season heroes, that, that's cool. But what does it mean? On Twitter, got a, a tweet from at SSS Sports. says, if they come back with the same team, then I don't see anything. Any way they get past the second round, LeBron has been the excuse the past few years, but both DeMar and Kyle have been nothing short of disappointing. Changes need to be made. So SSS Sports thinks you got to shake the whole thing up. If LeBron was still here, I would have maybe leaned a bit more towards a rebuild or a retooling, reshuffling. And granted, especially Lowry, dude hasn't delivered in the playoffs. Whether it's an injury, an inflamed elbow, he's gone cold, whatever. Always something. Get it done. This year is it. If not, I'm blowing this whole thing up. I want a gun. But this has got to be it. What does Masai Ujiri do? And if there is an early playoff exit this year, and if he doesn't make any significant changes or tweaks that work in a significant way, Masai Ujiri's seat is going to be getting mighty hot. May God have mercy on your soul. Indeed. Because now you played your card, and this is what he was he, you could always wait for. Until a GM fires the coach that is there when they arrive, the clock doesn't really start ticking. Now you did. Your guy is now Nick Nurse. That's your guy. So if the results do not improve, then the Heat gets turned up with the GM. Now the Heat's getting turned up in Los Angeles with LeBron James leaving Cleveland, going to the Lakers. And one of the bigger personalities is Lonzo Ball, or should I say his father, LeVar Ball, who um, well discusses uh, what Lonzo's relationship with LeBron will be. Lonzo and him are going to fit together like a glove. How are you going to get my son the best player of the game? Well, i got a huge decision to make this summer. Man, I already told you to call him L.A. Braun. Act like he ain't coming to L.A. I'll see him in a minute. You talk to him? I ain't got to talk to him. I know he's coming to L.A. Lonzo makes everybody better, including him. Grow up! <laughs> Stephen A. jumping in. Come on. Like, 
LeVar, it's funny to a point, but then it just gets tiring. Okay? Like, really? Your son's shooting percentage is 30%, dude. Come on. How about you practice in the driveway a little bit more this soft season? Practice your threes. Practice your shots from the charity stripe. Let's go. That dynamic? And I wonder what the deal with Magic? Uh, What the future of Lonzo? Because you know Lonzo slash LeVar ball were being brought up. Because that can be a headache. And LeBron is about winning. LeBron's about going to the finals and trying to win more titles. What is the future of Lonzo? And what else are they going to do? Kawhi Leonard wants to go, but the Spurs aren't going to give him away to the Lakers. Why? Why would you? Doesn't make any sense. All right, great show today, guys. I'll be back tomorrow, 11 a.m. to 1 a.m. on Toronto Today. So for producer Sean Lavery and Keith Bauer, I'm Andy McNamara. The Scott MacArthur Show is up next. You've been listening to Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Grow up!